Hey there, this is Kat Stancic with the Revenue Accelerator podcast with my guest, Emily Aborn. Now I'm laughing because there was this whole emphasis conversation we just had in terms of mayonnaise versus mayo. I can't even say it the wrong way. Mayonnaise is the wrong way. Right. Apparently. So anyway, that's how we're starting off this podcast. So as you all know, I just go for it. Um, Emily is a content writer and owner founder of She Built This, which we're going to get into, a women's entrepreneurship community. So if you're looking for your people, they're there. Now she gets ideas out of brains, right? This is ours, our overstimulated, overworked and overdoing too much things brains onto the page and set it in motion by creating compelling content. Oh God, please finally. And copy that helps women entrepreneurs to reach their dreams, which means getting people interested, engaging and wanting to buy from you. Just if you weren't clear, Um, not you, Emily, the people listening. So she lives in New Hampshire with her husband, Jason, who doesn't know how to pronounce words and their dog Clyde. She enjoys hiking, reading, um, beating Jeopardy contestants to the punchline, not just to their faces and writing, um, which of course, right. So, you know, Emily, welcome and welcome to one of the most awkward introductions that I have done to date. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I thought it was fantastic. (laughs) As long as you're entertained, that's all that matters. So, so Emily, how did you get into content writing? Because there's not a lot of people who go, I really am choosing to do this on a regular basis. Oh my gosh, none of us choose it. I swear, every writer, copywriter, content writer I talk to, they're like, I don't know how this happened. So I'll give you the short version of the 35-year-old story. Um, I have wanted to write since I was like a little kid. And I have also had, I think, 41 jobs in my life. Do you know that in almost all of those jobs, like I ended up being the person that would write the menus or put together the marketing materials or... I had a copywriting job once at an outdoor sports company, like writing uh, descriptions for socks and carabiners and lanyards and things like that. Didn't even know what I was doing. Um, I went to school actually for health education and like went down that path. And we, my husband and I opened a retail store, which sold like healthy sleep products, like mattresses and non-toxic pillows and things like that. Well, we very quickly realized that like the world of retail was not for us. And I was trying to figure out what I was going to do next. And he's like, okay, the, we just need to go back and like, get you a real job though. <laughs> Cause like we need some steady income and we can't live like this. So I'm like, okay. So what I loved doing in my last business was the marketing piece of things. I'm like, I loved all the marketing. I loved writing the blogs, the emails, you know, all of, all of that. What I didn't love was being at the actual retail store every single day. So I started to uh, take on clients that were uh, like marketing and I would do it all for them. Like I would do their social media. I would do their blogs, their websites, like every single thing I was doing it all. It was like a one-stop shop for your marketing. And I quickly realized that that was awful and burning me out. Um, but the piece that really lit me up and that was easy for me and, and I would get compliments on it all the time. Like people were like, I don't know how you can speak my voice, but it's just, it sounds like me. Like nobody even knows someone else is doing it. So I just like said, you know what, like what happens if I do try to market myself as a content writer instead of a marketing person? And I will say it was the scariest thing ever. Cause like, sometimes I think with imposter syndrome or whatever, like when we get close to what we want the most it's actually like the hardest. And you're like, I don't think I can put myself out there as that because that's what I want the most. And if I fail at it, it's going to hurt more than anything else. Like closing the mattress store, big whoop. I didn't care. I was like, all right, (laughs) that's done. 
Um, but this was scary. I didn't want to fail. So the good news is uh, I did not fail. There was a definite, I was like kind of worried that there would be no market for people who just wanted writing and didn't want the actual posting. Um, but turns out that's like everywhere. Like opposite. Yeah. Yeah. Nobody knows how to do a website. People struggle with their social media content. So, um, I'm, I'm loving it. And that is how I got into it. So I got to fulfill that childhood dream long time coming. (laughs) I'm still like getting over the fact that you had 41 jobs. I mean, I've been fired quite a few times in my life and my professional career, like before I actually started legit professional you know, consulting kind of stuff or whatever, but I'm, um, I'm loving it. Um, I I've mean, never it, been fired. I just hated working for other people. Yeah, and I thought, something okay, was so wrong like, I just me. admitted something big. <laughs> <laughs> I say, I think it was, it was at least three times. Uh, and then I stopped counting, but it was all out of alignment, which comes down yeah. to basically the same thing, which is yeah. there was this dissonance, which also brings us to why you do what you do and why people hire you, which is they're the dissonance of, I don't know how to do it. I don't want to do it. It takes too much time. Um, I mean, I know that I'm an amazing writer. I mean, amazing enough. Right. But <laughs> take yourself down a little step there, cat. Um, but you know, doing it sometimes takes a lot of effort. And so the other day someone posted on my, one of my posts, she said, have you ever figured out your creative flow? And I was like, Hmm, let's go Google that. Um, obviously that's something that you operate within often since this comes so fast to you. So what, how do you get into flow when you have so many different clients who do so many different things and be able to represent their voice effectively? That's a really great question. Um, so first and foremost, I always, when I'm sitting down with them the first time I ask them tons of questions because I really want to get inside their brain and Typically the way I work is I do like kind of a, there's, there's a lot of different styles. You could do this. Um, I love a brain dump style where I just take all my ideas for them. Like I might have 200 ideas, but then I'm going to narrow those down into like 50. And honestly, organization is how I get into creative flow. Like I do believe that so many of us, we sit there and we're trying to wait for creativity to strike, or we're waiting for inspiration to strike when so often all you needed to do was like put in your calendar, work on newsletter from 10 to noon. And then that's like, then you're just kind of like, all right, now I'm forced to do this. Um, I find that like, once I start, that's where the creativity starts. So even if I'm writing something, like I might take a few minutes and write something silly. That's like, okay, this isn't for a client. This isn't important. It's just like a little tiny thing that I need to get off my plate. You're An stretching, email. right? Yeah. The, you're stretching, stretching before you're going into the, the exercise. And I used to, as a child play soccer and I never stretched and took that one time where I didn't stretch. And I pulled my, uh, my, my thigh muscle. Um, it, it's important to stretch. So just caveated, you know, side tangent point there stretch before you work out. It's the exact same concept. I love that you use that because it's the exact same. And then also, of course, like put on music. I I can't listen to music with words. I need like that kind of uh, massage kind of music, you know, but it really works. Like my brain just gets right into that space. And I think that's also a way to do it is use cues. Mm. So I love the concept of like mise en place. So instead of like sitting at your desk and being like, Oh shoot, I forgot this. Oh shoot. I forgot this. Oh shoot. I forgot this. Just like right. set yourself up for success ah, by having mise en place. Okay. Yes. You're saying a French word. And I was Wrong. like, what the hell? <laughs> like, okay, please explain it. And I was like, hold on. This sounds like, okay. So I just mayonnaise mise en place. So 
Another yes, little. Sorry, pronunciation <laughs> clearly not my strong suit. No, I'm French, so it's easy to offend my ears. So, all right. So yeah, so changing the environment so that you're not in that space where it's kind of like you don't want to work in your bedroom because you should be sleeping. Keep it clean, guys. Um, so like if you start working there, then that's the things you're going to think about when you're trying to go to sleep versus if you had a different, you want to keep the environment sacred in a way, yeah, right? So yeah. where you write should be sacred and should be create that environmental, you know, um, stuff. But basically this comes down to, you have a process, right. And you know, your process to help you dive into creativity faster because you don't want to waste what three hours trying to get, you know, hit by inspiration essentially. Yeah. Um, And I will say, sometimes you have to adapt that. Like right now I can't go sit on my couch, which is where my, my genius zone is, but, uh, you know, I have an injury, so I have to stay at my desk standing, which is fine. (laughs) Um, I fell down my stairs. It's all good, (laughs) but so, so I'll let you give as much detail as you want. We're all good. (laughs) So I've had to adapt a little bit like, okay, now I'm standing. And actually it is a little bit harder to get into that place where it's like cozy, creative space. Mm but I'm still, I, I guess I'm my point being like, yes, have a process and also understand that sometimes you have to adapt that process. Like sometimes you have to work in the airport and figure out how to get into that zone fast. And that's where those other tools come in. Like yeah, the cues. Right. No, exactly. Which, I mean, this kind of relates to engagement online, right. And looking at, you know, whether you have whatever community you've built, whether it's a Facebook group or, you know, a pod or an in-person networking thing, whatever that is, there is a mechanism that allows people to, you know, kind of step into their flow as well when you're creating that environment. So what, what is it that your content does that helps kind of create that engagement that people are looking for? Because from that is where we generate leads, which is where Run for New comes from just in case people weren't aware that that's how business works. Oh, is it? <laughs> I am feisty today. So um, I think, and you probably see this too. I think probably the biggest mistake I see is people putting out content that is focused entirely on themselves. So I love to do it too. I love to talk about myself. We all do. It is human nature. Um, but you have to remember that the focus is actually on the person reading it and think about the experience on the other side. Like, what is actually, what makes you go on social media and like stop and scroll on things for me? Like, especially at night, I love to just go on and like find things that are very like inspirational and positive or answer a question. I love answering questions. I'm like, I have an opinion on this and I must offer it or tell you about something about myself. So thinking about your audience through that same lens, like, all right, what is it that they, what is it that's going to get them to stop? instead of just making it all about myself. Cause mm. most of the posts that we see that are all about somebody are not that interesting unless they turn it back and make it about us. Right. Right. Yeah. So I see this stuff and maybe you, this might get, this might, we might fight on this or we might not. So I don't know where this is going to, I think we're going to be aligned, but I'm not, I can never know. I see people putting stuff out there in terms of like, Hey, do you sleep with the window open or not? And it's just like, people are answering it because it's their opinion and people like to share their opinion, but it's just Facebook groups or like Facebook pages or whatever profile pages. It's just filled with this crap, right? Of yeah, it's getting engagement. Yeah. It's getting likes. People are saying things, but it's not doing anything. If we're looking at it from the side of a business in terms of generating leads. Now I like to talk about those as what I call popcorn posts, which is they're light, they're airy, they're fluffy. You know, they, they don't, you know, demand too much of us calorie wise, all that stuff. 
How I like to take them is to make them a little bit more strategic. And so I'm talking about going from Jiffy Pop to a little bit of a gourmet popcorn, got some, you know, chocolate drizzle or something on there um, and really use those engagement pieces to give you insight into your ideal client. Mm -hmm. So like, what are you, what's your philosophy on the right mix of content to help generate leads for your business? That was a uh, long I have way a, to I, get to that question. That's fantastic. And I have a good analogy for it. Um, but I do want to go back to that engaging popcorn because I agree with you. I see it like all the time and, and half the time, I think it's just like things trying to get your password to your computer, you know? But so on my personal, <laughs> I had Facebook, never thought of it that way. <laughs> on my personal Facebook page, I do have some fun sometimes. And I will oh. ask fun questions like that, mostly because it's things that I'm curious about. Like, how do you pronounce the word mayonnaise? You know, I might be interested in knowing what other people think about that in my group and in a business setting. I try to keep it strategic and focused on, um, like one I did today, which I actually really loved was if your business or brand was the genre of a book, what kind would it be? And it's just like getting people to think that extra step. And then that also gives them a content piece that they can go and talk about on their own social media too. Um, but I have a nice analogy for like the spread of things. Okay. So I picture it kind of like a garden where like we have to have the soil, which is like the why, the what we do, the how we do it, who we help. And that's like the real, the depth of everything, I would say. Um, and then we have the water, which is like educating people, giving people resources, showing that we're the expert and we're the one to go to. Then we have the sunshine, which is like the popcorn, the fun parts, our personality, my dog sleeping, which I still probably will relate to my business. I'll be like, yeah, he's having a tough day at the office, sleeping at my feet. Um, and then there's the, sorry, we have water, sunshine, soil, and wind, which is leading people to your offers. And those, those revenue generating posts that are specifically like click here to join me. Right. Yeah. So I think that there, I think I see a lot of, I, I see people doing a lot of one and forgetting about the other three, or I see people doing a lot of two and forgetting about the others. Um, so I think like when you have a really nice, healthy mix, then you get a healthy garden. <laughs> yes. And you get to eat. Um, <laughs> so what, what else is kind of part of, what are the pieces of creating that engagement? Cause you have a huge community. Um, and I don't mean just like, you know, hundreds of thousands of people it's huge also in terms of quality. So it's not, it's very focused on people who are giving to each other. And what I'm talking about is your, she built it. She built this Facebook group and community, which that link will be in the show notes for anyone who's interested in going there. Um, And you've created engagement where a lot of Facebook groups can't do that anymore. And it's not just this fluffy, everybody's pitching each other. Everybody's trying to one-up each other or whatever it is. It's actual community. So what's your secret? (laughs) Well, I, uh, thank you for saying all that. Um, I think my, my number one step had been removing like that promotional content. So like, you know, I know that people love to go into Facebook groups and just like post their promos everywhere. And I find those groups the most obnoxious and I will just leave. It, it has nothing for me. Like, I don't want to see everyone's promotional posts. So, um, that's one of my rules is like only paying members are able to post promotionally and I limit them in like how many can happen every single day. So people aren't just getting like bombarded by promotional posts. Um, but I think really like, you know, as a group leader, it's all about the vibe 
you have to think of it like, okay, I'm actually creating like a party, right? So what kind of party vibe do I want in here? And, and I do think that it starts with you as a leader and deciding like how I want people to feel coming in. Like mine is kind of like, I'd say a coffee shop vibe, like everybody's welcome. And there are people from all different walks of life. And some of them are just buzzing in, buzzing out. Some of them are going to sit there for like 12 hours, you know, (laughs) sipping their cup of coffee and writing their, their novel. Um, so, but, but that's also a great place to connect with other community members. Right. Mm -hmm. So it just has that like buzz to it. And I do think the other piece which is not us, is the people that are starting the community with us. So like getting those first founding people that are there to like be your cheerleaders. Like I think that the first six people that were in that group are still in that group and are still my friends. You know, they're like my, they're my close circle. Yeah. So that's important too. It was like having some of your cheerleaders in there. So you're not just posting and then it's like crickets. So what is, what is the kind of stuff that, I mean, obviously the right mix, but it's, there's an art to creating content that creates engagement because there's a lot of things that you could post at 901 and, you know, nothing. And if you had just taken that same post and posted at 902, all of a sudden there's way more engagement. It's the same post. Yeah. You're looking at the algorithm. So like, what are the pieces to take into consideration when building you know, or reinvigorating. Cause I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people out there who have a Facebook group of some kind and it's just dead or quiet or still and not very active. Like I said, sometimes I ask three questions at once, pick something in there and answer it. I, you know what I think is really helpful for getting actual insights on what people's activity is and what they want for stuff is asking poll questions. Mm-hmm. And you can, you can do those any way you want. What time are you most on? What time are you most on Facebook? What do you prefer? Facebook or Instagram? Do you like email or do you like Instagram? You know, just like sort of getting in people's heads a little bit and, and people just like to answer things. They just love to answer. I will ask like, what day of the week is best for this? I'm, I might not even do what they said, <laughs> but I'm like, I just going to ask them because then they feel like they're part of that creation process too. Mm. Um, and so, just so you know, I do use a lot of the information to help me make decisions about what days to host events and what days to do lives and things like that. Lives are another, like, that's what I've found to be a little bit tricky is the timing on lives. So I do like a lunch and learn live, um, a couple times a month. And I tried toying with the times like, Oh, I'll try it at two o'clock in the afternoon. Nobody watches. So it's like also having that consistency where people are like, I know she always does this at when on Wednesdays at noon, it's perfect for me. I'm eating lunch. Then I can just sit in front of my computer and watch it. So I think consistency is a huge piece of it, but also pulling people in and asking what they want, you know? Yeah. So, um, how important do you think is that feature at the very beginning, especially in Facebook, if we're talking about Facebook groups of asking those questions, right? It's the three questions, what, I mean, obviously anybody can go and see what the questions are right now in terms of going to, she built this as at the Facebook group. Um, what do you ever change those? Have you kept those pretty stagnant? Like what, what's the power in those questions and what's your strategy or recommended strategies for what's working right now? So I have three, um, and each of mine have a purpose. So the first one, I want to know how they found the group and how they got in. Um, I love knowing if people are coming to me from the podcast, if people are coming to me from this 
this podcast, people are coming from my website. That is very important information for you as a, as a group owner. Mm -hmm. Number two, I want their email address and not everyone will give me their email address. So what I've started doing, because I do have group rules and, and I think it's very, I notice hands down, if people don't read those group rules, they break the rules. So I now DM people and I will send them like the download for the group rules and they have to get that download before coming in. Mm. Um, so if they haven't given me their email where they're going to get the, the download automatically, then I say, here's the link and you have to go actually put your email in now. (laughs) Um, and then number three is I like to hear what they're struggling with, because that also is another, like every single, if I just say, what is your biggest struggle right now or challenge in your business? Every single one of those is an entire post in and of itself or something I can address at a later time. And I will admit, I used to be way better and have like a spreadsheet of all those struggles. And I got away from that. So maybe today is a good nudge. Like I need to go back to that spreadsheet. Um, I, I run a lot of like peer to peer things. So I hear about people's struggles, but I need to like, you know, know what they all connect to the people. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) So, but, but people will put a lot of stuff in there that also helps know what stage they're at in their business. Um, what kind of content they want to see, what I can talk about in a future podcast, what I can share in a live. It's just like invaluable. So those are my three questions. I keep them. I want to keep them simple, but I also want to keep them really strategic for myself. Yeah. And one of the pieces that I want to, you know, highlight as part of what you did was that you're strict it's not don't answer the questions and anybody who comes in can get in. You're doing this. I mean, if you don't mind me sharing what my philosophy behind it is, it's, it's all about compliance and demonstrating coachability. So if you're not willing to already abide by the rules, then you're not going to necessarily be someone that would, you know, that I would work well with, right. Because you have to listen to the other person. You have to see that person as an authority and expert, Um, So there is this compliance aspect of things because you're inviting people into your house and if they're going to come in and disrespect it, I'd rather you not come in in the first place. So I think that's, you know, really important to highlight the fact that you are strict about holding that boundary and that line of you need to complete this form in order to be let in. And I think that's a good lesson for us in other groups too. Like you're basically, like you said, you're going in someone's house. So you don't put your feet up on the coffee table and be like, all right, I'm going to do this. You know, I'm going to dirty this up. You have to remember that when you go into other groups too, because I think that the biggest thing you can do in another group for your own networking and like engagement with other people is just showing up with like a giving heart and be, and being there to respect the rules and how it's happening and not try to be like the person that's, you know, like raging in the background. (laughs) So speaking of that, like, what are your thoughts about, I mean, there's always been this strategy. I still hear people share it online and all that stuff. And sometimes there's something to be said about being, doing it a little bit, um, about basically going into other people's communities and doing lead gen, um, in their communities and just kind of being quiet Lee, maybe some people are louder doing that versus what you've been doing, which is building your own community. What's your thought process there? Um, there's actually this really cool app called Carly. I think it's C-A-R-L-I. And it like you can attach it to different Facebook groups that you're in and put in keywords. So like for me, it's content writing or or website copy. Um, and I'll put in the keyword. And when some when that post pops up in another group, I will go in and engage in that thread. I don't think that there's anything wrong with that. Like we're all looking for leads, but I do think that going into a community only when that opportunity presents itself and not being there for anything else is a little bit shysty. Like this is not community. Then it's just 
me selling myself. I had this fantastic conversation. I'm rolling my eyes with someone once who came into my podcast mixer that I host and he asked for a coffee chat and I sure went out and saw his website and was like, Oh God, this is a yeah. marketer. But you know what? Felt like I was in a feisty mood. I was willing to entertain to say, Hey, let's just look to see how they're doing it now. PS they haven't changed. And basically started the conversation with, Hey, I liked your podcast mixer. It's a great lead gen for me. It's like, well, you're one way to get disinvited is to basically come in and saying that that's what you're doing. Look, we all know that as we build community and as people, you know, as it starts getting bigger and bigger, this is what happens, Mm -hmm. but it's the energetic approach Mm -hmm. to it. And the matter of respecting someone else's house. I don't know. I feel like I'm getting on a soapbox here. No, no. I so agree with you. And people ask me these kind of questions a lot. I'm like, I don't know. It's it's being a good person. Like, of course (laughs) it happens. Actually, I like that other people buy from each other and that people are finding the right resource. I want to be the conduit for it. I just don't want assholes in my community pushing other people around and using strategies that aren't in alignment with my philosophy or my way of showing up in the world. Yeah. A hundred percent. So how, how have you dealt with that in terms of as you're building community, keeping it, you know, engage, I, I know the engaging, but it's like, so that it doesn't become this pitchy thing. I know you have the rules, but was there anything else that you did to kind of help attract the right kind of person who, even if they didn't read the rules, would just intrinsically show up in that way that you do too? Um, I'll delete their post and send them something that says like, you know, that's breaking the rules, but I'll, I'll share something that works well in my peer groups, because I actually think this could work online too. In the peer group, we all share something that we're like struggling with or something that is challenging us right now. And people kind of offer group think and weigh in. And like, you know, there are people that have been in business for 12 years and people that just started their business yesterday. So it's a really nice like opportunity to see things with fresh eyes. And also I have seasoned experience and I'm going to share with you. My, my under my, one of my guidelines in there is when a person is sharing something that they're going through, don't turn and make it about yourself. So I think that in a group is like a really, like as a, as a leader, having that undertone is valuable, but also just like having people in your community that have that too. Like if somebody is sharing something that they're struggling with, you don't need to chime in and be like, Oh my God, that happened to me yesterday. Like, no, focus on them struggling. I mean, if, if it happened to you yesterday and you can give them valuable insight, Right. On how to overcome it from that experience. That's fantastic. That's not turning it about yourself, but it's a subtle difference. Um, but I think it makes all the difference. Yes. Well, yeah. Managing other people's emotions. Uh, there's so much that can be, you know, psychologically gone into right there. Um, so I know that one of the things that you really, you know, focus on is you've rethought the concept of giving. Um, which I think also plays a lot into everything that you're, you're doing and that we've talked to already, how, how do you think about giving and driving value versus how people typically think about it? Oh, you might disagree with this. I say the more you give the better because oh, nope, totally agree. Okay. <laughs> I believe like, I truly believe that you could spoon feed people every single ounce of knowledge, you know, in every single podcast episode and still people are going to hire you. Like I could tell everybody, here's how you, here's exactly how you write this post. And here's the 200 posts that you need to go write. And they're still going to pay, be like, no, I don't want to do that. Right. And I'll pay you to do it. So I think that's really, that's another, another great tip for like engaging in communities. I don't think you can give too much. I mean, there is the 
I will give so much credit to the DIYer that is so committed that they're going to just like actually do it themselves. That's go good for them. That's not your ideal person anyway. Um, so I think in, in my opinion, I always think giving more is better. And I think sharing more of yourself and like those stories that make you authentic and kind of make a fool of yourself sometimes. I mean, that's my style. <laughs> the humanity of it. No, no, no. Yeah. I say drive the value and the revenue will be behind it. So yeah. it's really about, it's actually the exact thing, the platform that I'm on right now in terms of firework experiences, which is most of the strategies out there in the world still work. The problem is, is that people who enter the digital marketing space are unaware that it's been basically perverted by the bro space because all they do is hyper focus on the pitch. It's all about pitch, pitch, get them to that decision to buy as fast as possible. And it's not an empowered decision. And that's a problem because that's where refunds and misalignment with ideal clients start happening. It's where people start making exceptions. And when you make an exception, all you have is an exception in your ass. So really looking at taking the strategies that are out there and driving the value first and allowing people to get to a place where they can make a business decision and then feeling empowered by it because you were there, you were continuing to stay relevant with content, with community and creating that engagement and building those relationships, which is every, all the pieces you've told me that you focus on um, today. Yeah. I think, I think probably what you're referring to is when people overpromise and under deliver where oh, yeah, I think yeah. we should deliver be as far of, as a sales call. Yeah. And we should be spinning that on its head basically. And not under promising no value though, that yeah. they're, they're, they're making promises of, Hey, you can solve all of your problems with, with, with this thing, but they never go. It's all this smoke and mirrors. They never go and actually deliver any value to make you concretely understand what this thing is, because then you can't, be empowered to understand whether this is the right strategy for you. They just, it's so vague. And then you go behind the door and you go, Oh, that's not what I thought it was going to be. And now you've invested hundreds, tens of thousands of dollars, right. in something that is completely out of alignment with who you are as a human. Yeah. I recently wrote a post complaining about this, about like how we are, why we're unsatisfied. And it's because of this, because they're tapping so deeply into your pain point that you're like, yes, yes. My elbow is raw and bleeding. And they're like, oh, but we don't have (laughs) band-aids. I don't know how you're going to fix that. No, the band-aid is within you. Right. Right. (laughs) Um, so you know, driving more value, driving, you know, giving, um, you know, obviously not at the cost of creating content dependency. So there's, you know, that thing too, because there is an aspect of driving value, but making sure that the value that you're giving is in alignment with the ideal client you want to be working with. Cause that's Mm -hmm. another thing that I see online too, is people talking down to the person that they actually want to work with, which costs them that relationship. What is, what are your thoughts with that and making sure that your content's always in alignment with who you're wanting to work with and maybe not who you have worked with in the past? That's such a great question. Um, and I, I actually want to say that in my case and hopefully all of our cases, like I am part of my community just as I, as much as I am the leader of my community, I I also run two businesses. So like, yes, I have theirs, but I'm also running my own alongside them and in the muck right along with them, you know, like I get it. (laughs) And, and this isn't my first business or my first two businesses. So like, also I've been through that whole pivot. Like to me, there's no, there's no real differentiation between, uh, being a leader and being a member of your community. You just have to 
you know, it's, it's like, I get to set the boundaries and the rules and that's, that's where the leadership kind of line stops for me and, and guide the ship. Yeah. Well, I mean, and it's, it's being in it with people as well as leading from the front. And sometimes leading comes from leading from the back as well. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's, I always look at, you know, Coca-Cola, right. So are they going and they're buying from the biggest, most, you know, the largest conglomerate, you know, marketing firm out there, or are they actually going to smaller boutique agencies sometimes for very specific needs? So it's not necessary that that person needs to be a multi-billion dollar business. They're still coming to them because they have that specialization. And so really looking at, you don't always, you don't always have to be ahead of your ideal client. You can also still sometimes be behind them and support them in that way, showing them what are the things that they might be going into in terms of danger zones and all that. So Brilliant. And I also think like, you know, just like in my head, I'm getting a mental picture of like a one person leading the way of like a long train of people. That's no fun. You're like all up there at the front of the line by yourself, like battling the wind and the cold. (laughs) No, I'm bringing all my people with me and we're going to like go against that wind and cold together. You know? Yeah. Yeah. The guru from the mountaintop. We're done. Right. Like (laughs) let's get down arm in arm and do this together. And that's one of the things that I think uh, there's a big shift in the um, service industry related to that in terms of people want real support. They want to see and be next to the person who's going to help them. And they're willing to pay a much higher price point for that because this distancing and separation is not how the results actually get achieved. I saw a fantastic, it's, it's related to this, but it's a fantastic uh, quote I saw yesterday called don't outsource. It said, don't outsource your intuition. Mm. And and I think we do that with a lot of coaches or gurus or people that we hire. We're like, well, yes. I just want them to give me the answers, but like the answer is actually in you. And that their job is to help bring that out of you. Like what your specific answer is for you. So same concept. Uh, but yeah. yeah. I saw a meme. I sent it to a, to a friend of mine once and it said, it was a text message exchange and it said, hurry up. I really need your help. And then right after it, never mind, I did it anyway. So really looking at how often have you reached out to someone being like, I need something now. And they didn't get back to you. And then you went ahead and did it anyway. Yeah. Um, I think that that's a lot of the support that you provide people and helping them focus on their area of brilliance and connecting to their intuition. So they don't have to waste their time doing something that's not in their area of brilliance. And I know you have something you want to share with everyone today um, related to everything that you have been sharing today. So how can people get in touch with you and learn a little bit more about, um, you and what you do? Well, thank you. Um, yeah. So what I have is just like, you know, when it comes to podcast pitching and getting more visibility, it doesn't have to be limited, I guess, to podcast, um, but how to approach those situations authentically and not in that bro markety way because we all have a hundred podcast pitches in our email where they just went to our website, didn't do any research on us and sent out like a mass mailing. <laughs> so, um, I, I put something together. That's really like how to write pitches from your heart and mm-hmm. how to, how to do it effectively. So, um, that's just on my website, emilyaborn.com. And you can connect with me any way that you love to connect with people through there. Awesome. Fantastic. Anything else that you want people to remember when it comes to, you know, uh, opportunity and content and, and podcasting even? I think my, I think my takeaway for today, uh, is just don't be afraid to ask for help. You know, like if you are struggling with something or there's an area where you're unsure, I think people love to help love it. And so ask in a Facebook group or reach out to somebody that is in going ahead of you or, or walking alongside of you and just ask for help because people rarely have, I met a person that does not love to, to give their help. 
Right. Exactly. And like you said, give generously when you do offer to help someone else. Amazing. Thank you so much, Emily. Thank you, Kat. This is fun.